to the U.S. Fire Journal Podcast. We offer views and opinions on the fire service around the world with no topic too tough to handle. Visit us at usfirejournal.com for all your fire service information. Now, here's your host, Jay. Good morning. Welcome into the podcast. Today is April the 19th. It's 2022. As the man said, I am Jay. Lots to talk about today. I want to start off with uh, just acknowledging right up front that, that I'm in a, <laughs> I'm really angry today. Um, and done with being nice. Just, just done with it. Um, there are lots of things you learn as you get older. And one of the things that, that I just don't abide or don't deal with anymore is if uh, you think someone's a friend and you're trying to help them out, right? Uh, within the realm of the fire service, you're doing your best to help people out. And you find out that they are uh, talking about you. And it's one thing when you hear something, right? Somebody tells you a rumor. I hear rumors all the time. People tell me stuff. People who other people are shocked to know would even talk talk to me about things. But when you hear the voice of someone you consider a a friend, when you hear that voice and they're talking about you and saying things that are uh, just absolutely not true, no, that's when you draw the line. At least I do. And, uh, you know, some people really believe they do it all by themselves. They believe in their own press clippings, right? They believe they're awesome and great and all these other things. Let's see how they feel when... uh, when the truth's revealed. So anyway, starting off with that, just to kind of set the mood for the podcast, because today's going to be a series of mini rants, because uh, I had a great conversation last night, uh, a very long conversation with someone who I consider a mentor. He's, he's old, um, he is opinionated, tough as nails, and uh, just lets it fly. And so we had a conversation last night, the, the first in a long, long time due to him being ill. And uh, just a great conversation where he, he told me, he said, look, bottom line is um, you owe people to tell them exactly what's going on, not to sugarcoat it. And it got me thinking. And he told me, he said, you used to be that way. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, but, you know, you grow a little bit older and maybe you want to, you know, appeal to, to people and all this, more people, but he's right. It doesn't do anyone any good. So uh, starting today, going to gonna riff on a couple of things, but, uh, you know, I think um, the most important lesson for me after last night's conversation with, with someone, as I said, just a great mentor, um, is uh, just be blunt. That's the important thing. Be blunt. Um, do want to start off with something. You know, no matter what fire department you're on, doesn't matter. Uh, there's A, B, C, shift, two or one, two or two, two or three, two or four, whatever the case may be. Um, there's always a bad shift or a bad tour. Right, And I don't mean occasionally. I mean, it's the shift or the tour that doesn't do anything, or it's the shift in the tour that, that gets all the bad press, or the chiefs don't like them, or whatever. But here's the bottom line. There, there is no bad shift or tour. It, there just isn't. Um, we all joke about it. But in reality, 
if there's a bad shift or a bad tour and you've got to switch people around to try to find good people to plug in there, that's a failure in leadership and has been a failure in leadership. And so when you see when you see departments going, oh, my gosh, well, we got to get all these people off of this shift. And no, you need to get rid of the leaders. And that's a conversation I plan on having with with a politician tomorrow um, that, you know what, if you see this going on, replace the leaders. That's what you need to do. Uh, There are no bad shifts or bad tours. There just aren't. Um, Each tour or shift has its has its personality. They do. But oftentimes a shift or a tour will get targeted as well, they don't do anything, or they have poor leadership, or we need to switch things up. Uh, my friends, I'm just telling you bluntly, that's a failure in leadership. It is. And it brings me back to a story, and I want to share this one. Um, many years ago, I was talking to a mayor's assistant um, who was a pretty bright person, really was. And we were talking about failures in the fire department. And so this, this mayor's assistant said, what do you think needs to be done? I said, there, there needs to be a change in leadership and accountability. And he said, exactly. He said, so what's the first thing you would do? And I said, I'd elect a new mayor. And he looked at me and he said, I wish I'd phrased that differently. And I said, well, I'm just being blunt. You want things to change. And this was in regard to this particular situation that, that many of us have been dealing with for a long time. And so when I had the opportunity and I met many times with this mayor's assistant, uh, who's gone on now to be a, well, a pretty high up ranking person uh, in, in a major governmental organization. And uh, that was my reply. Now, he was expecting me to say, well, you need to fire the, the fire chiefs, the assistant chiefs, everybody. That wasn't it. Leadership starts at the top for a city, county, state, our federal government, every organization. Leadership starts at the top. And oftentimes, to change a culture, you have to change leadership. In fact, it's rare that a cultural change takes place with the same leader who was in place uh, during the cultural depression, as it were. It's rare, very rare, that the same person can generate anything other than scorn. Piss-poor leaders stay that way. They don't magically get better. I'm not into the whole, well, a leopard doesn't change its spots, but... Because I believe anyone can change individually. But the person who's a really lousy leader can't transform into a great leader without being looked at as that lousy leader before by everyone in an organization. You just can't do it. It takes fresh people, fresh blood to come in and implement that change. That's also what I plan on telling this politician tomorrow who... Uh, wants to know, well, just has certain questions about things. So I'll probably have breakfast or lunch tomorrow with them and talk to them about it. Bottom line, you got to wipe it clean. There is no, There are no bad tours or bad shifts. They're bad leaders. That's ultimately what it comes down to. And 
it is far easier to change one or two or three or four leaders than it is to change a shift. If you have to move people around to change a shift, right? if you want to change the focus on a particular shift, you start moving people around. What you've just admitted to everyone is you failed as a leader. You did. Wholesale failure. So watch for those things. When it happens, it's failure. Here's another subject. Um, I'm sick of half-brain training. Half-brain training. So what's half-brain training? Well, it's somebody using half a brain. It is. It's like, okay, well, you know what? This month, here are our topics for training. Next month, here are our topics for training. Month after that, here are our topics for training. Okay, so what are you going to do? We're going to do this, 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 and this. First, we're going to start off with a PowerPoint presentation. The bane of intelligence everywhere. It is. It's just, it's hideous. Um, People go, well, that's what Fortune 500 companies do. You think so? Is that what you think? Really? Um... Whatever. Yeah, yeah have, have fun with that. You're dealing with problem solvers. Firefighters are at heart problem solvers. They want to fix things. Frankly, they need stimulation during training. I don't care how flowery your speech is. I don't care how uh, wonderful your presentation is. I don't care you know, how well you can command a room. You got to put hands on when it comes to firefighter training. Is there room for, for classroom presentation? Absolutely. Engaged classroom, classroom participation. I have been to far too many conferences and watched great fire service leaders get in there and command a room and command it in such a way that every single person in there feels that they are talking to them and they are engaged. That's the great leadership. That's great teachers. Um. Oftentimes, it's people you don't think would ever be a great teacher, but they are. I know quite a few. Um, I've met a few more in the last three, four years who, who don't have the official title, but they're great at training people. And part of it is being knowledgeable, knowing the job, doing the job, and then engaging people. Here's something else we have to get away from. Okay, so let me, let me hold on. Before I get to that part... The half-brain training, don't engage half the brain. Engage the whole brain. That's what needs to be done. If you're sitting there and you're telling a firefighter, okay, guys, this is step one in pulling a hose, okay? This is what we're going to do. And this is, this is how we're going to pull it, and then we're going to pull it, and we're going to go over here, and we're going to do that. Or hazmat. Hazmat is inherently boring to most people. It is. Some of us, you know, we like it. Others don't. That's fine. Most don't, though. When you're dealing with hazmat, you can make it an exciting topic if you're engaged in the teaching and if people sense you are. If people sense that you're just an instructor who's, who's certified by the state and here's your lesson plan and you're going to stand up there and you're going to read your lesson plan out and occasionally you're going to throw in a story because that's what the book says to do. You're not an, you, you might be an instructor, but you're not a teacher. No one is going to laud you as the person they, when you walk in the room, they're going to, everybody's going to sigh. When they see you on the schedule, they're going to go, oh, great. You know, I better take no-dose, right? I better drink, like, I need to do bolus doses 
of, of high caffeine coffee, bolus doses. I need it immediately because this clown's going to put me to sleep. And that's what clowns do. They put you to sleep beside freaking you out if somebody's dressed as a clown. But that's a different story. The bottom line is this half brain training. Here's another part. All right. We are, as a society, way too focused on not hurting someone's feelings. I'm sick of it. There are many people who are sick of it. It's as if when you deal with firefighting, law enforcement, the military, you're dealing with life and death things, okay? Life and death, all right? Too many people are treating fire service education, and I'm, I'm not going to talk about law enforcement or other disciplines here. I'm going to stick with firefighting, but people are so focused on not hurting someone's feelings. Well, you know, here's so-and-so. Can't do the job at all. Can't. Just can't. Absolutely lousy. But we don't want to hurt their feelings. We don't want to hurt their feelings and make them feel bad. We don't mind if they end up killing themselves on the fire ground or killing two, three, four, five firefighters later on. Friends, that's what's going to happen. And even if you get away with that, they're going to end up costing people their jobs. They're going to end up costing people their reputations. If someone has difficulty doing the job and you are constantly training them, and if they are constantly training themselves, and if they're trying to get better, that's a little different. They're given an effort. But if they're standing there waiting to be taught, waiting to be taught something, and they're not proactively seeking out um, their own solutions and, and trying to get things done, you have a duty to dismiss them. You do. Too many people end up with bad officers, and because they want to keep, oh man, let's not let's not interrupt anyone's uh, good day by telling them that you know you need to work on this. It is absolute and undeniable horse crap, and everybody knows it. Everybody knows it, but nobody wants to say anything. It's the same with the training. That let's do some no pressure training today. Really? Oh, cool. That's good. So what are we gonna do? Let's go out and do some pump operations. This is the tank to pump. You pull the tank to pump. All of that is good. It's basic. You have to do it. But after just a little bit, let's start making people feel uncomfortable. Let's do that because fires are uncomfortable. Because when they're feeling comfortable at a fire and everything's going well and they suddenly lose a water supply or for some reason the truck, the truck starts cavitating and they don't even know what it is because God forbid they've been, they've been shown what it is. Oh, no, you don't want to do that. Don't hurt anyone's feelings, and please don't put them under any pressure. Go find another job. Go deliver packages. You know, go work at the Quickie Mart. I don't care what you do. But if you're going to fold under pressure from somebody talking to you, you have an issue with being in a job that requires people to think under pressure. It's easy for anyone to learn rote, you know, skills. It is. It's easy. What can you do when you're being pressured? What can you do? But see, here's what happens now. They'll wait till there's a fire or a wreck or somebody's doing, having to do CPR. Or, or uh, there's a person, you know, who's hurt themselves and they're up on a roof doing construction and now you got to get them down and that's when they go gosh I don't really feel like doing that or I'm not real comfortable with that 
you're not comfortable with it. Oh, well, let's, let's make a bed for you and let you lie down until you, until you recover. I'm sorry. The fire service is a different job. It's different. Pressure is the name of the game. It is. It's what happens. We're far too worried about creating people who look like firefighters or fire departments that look like fire departments as opposed to people who actually know the job. I'm glad that this is a a minority in the fire service. And by that, I mean a minority number of people. There's there's not a lot of departments that operate on just looking good alone. But there are enough that it's a problem. If you happen to live in a community that's served by them, you have issues. You do. Too many people are focused on looking like it and not being it. That's the bottom line. If you can't handle pressure, if you can't handle a little pressure, and you, uh, look, when I'm talking to guys and, and training them up or trying to, um, I do. I like to put in a little bit of pressure. Why? <laughs> because, yes, there are going to be mistakes made. There are. But a person would, will be driven, a motivated person is going to be driven to eliminate those mistakes and get better. Like many people, I'm just sick and tired of the, you know, this no pressure, please. Oh my gosh, I want someone to train me who can tell me everything and allow me to learn them all. What are you going to do at a fire when things go bad? You're just going to say, yeah, it's a bad day. So I'll just quit right now. I'll just stop. You know, somebody will be there. Somebody will come over and do it. No, they won't. If you can't do the job, don't do it. Do yourself and everyone else a favor and move along. If you want to do the job, work for it. You know, in in talking to several chief officers over the last two, three weeks, all I've heard, and these are different departments, but I've heard the same thing. We got too many guys who just want to sit around all day. You know, I come in and somebody's in a, on a couch or somebody's in a recliner and they got their phone up to their eyes and they're and going on and on. And you hear it enough, and this is what I said to the last one. And I did. The last chief officer had a conversation with about this particular subject. I said, terminate them. You know, you put out a thing that says we don't want firefighters doing this during the daytime. And if they're doing it, move them. Get them out. Bring in people who will do the job. And no, I'm not. And let me let me make this abundantly clear, too. Firefighters need to rest. I get it. But there's a difference between resting and being alert and being stuck in a recliner or having a phone in your face all day. And I say things to people because I hear things. And I know that there are crackdowns coming in many departments where, you know what? People are going to be in trouble. And you try to tell people, but they don't want to listen. So you watch them flail. And pretty soon, they're gone. There's nothing you can do about it. So you into the job? Then be into the job. Again, doesn't mean that you do busy work all day. There's nothing worse than, than places that you, know, you get a, 
company officer or whatever who just wants to do busy work. You know what? Let's do a project. What are we going to do? See that dirt? Yeah. Let's replace it with new dirt. How about that? Oh, awesome. No. There are things you can do to stay busy during the day and keep your mind engaged. Training, education, running calls is a good one. How about that? And there's nothing against people who've, who've had long nights and things like that with taking naps and things. Again, I have nothing against that. But when you're up, you need to be engaged in the job. Otherwise, you know, see you. That's my opinion on it. Um, and again, I've been, I've heard this more uh, over the last month, month and a half, two months, you know. Um, hearing the chief officer say, when I walk into the station, there's the guys, you know, they're on their phones, in a recliner, or on a couch, laying down on the couch, not asleep, but just totally disengaged. They've run no runs, or they've had three or four calls during the day, you know. That's what they're doing. They're just there. And they want to stay employed. And they want raises. And, and I mean, the list goes on and on. It's a job. It is. And being prepared for the next call involves trying to conserve energy. It does. And I get it. But there are some things that happen in departments that are running a lot of calls. They, they don't get downtime. When they do, they have to take it. Too many people believe that their 8, 10, 12 calls, 15 calls, uh, during the day and part of the night is busy. And that's fine. It might be busy relative to what you're used to. But there are departments out there, out there that run all night. And somehow, they're still able to function. Those are the types of things that, to me, uh, make a fire department look bad. Or any department. You have to be focused on the job. If you're exhausted, go take a nap. You know, do. Don't spread out on couches and stuff. You know, go in the bunk room and take a nap. Get in the back of the rig and take it. I mean, whatever you got to do. But every day is not naps. Every day is not video games. I, that's one of the things, too. I've had several chiefs say, you know what? Um, guys are always playing video games. And my response always is, you know, my internal response is always the same. That's your fault if they're playing video games. Tell them not to. Make it a policy. Do whatever you got to do. You want to be in the job? Be in the job. Otherwise, you know, you get guys come in in the morning, they check off the truck in 20 minutes. Well, that's all there. Really? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Is it all work? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's good. It was good yesterday when those guys left it. Really? Oh, well, congratulations then. Woof. So, you know, pressure. Yeah, there's pressure. Um, training. Yeah. There's no call to be nice. Respectful? Absolutely. But the final thing I want to talk about is the destructive tone. And that's the tone that's set from high up. Oftentimes, a destructive tone is telling people, you know, well, you're going to do this or you're getting fired tomorrow. Okay. Um, the destructive tone can happen at any time. It can happen in person or the radio. It can happen in email or text messages, whatever. It's not professional. It's not. It's a destructive tone. Professionalism 
is understanding that people make mistakes, you have to correct them. Praise in public, correct in private, unless someone's life is on the line. Bottom line. You get somebody on a ladder, and they need to be off that ladder because you feel like the building's coming down. It's not disrespectful to yell at them to get off the ladder. That's an immediate threat. Someone screws up a little bit, um, and it can wait, then you wait. You always wait. Unless it involves a direct threat to, to health and safety, you wait. That's professional. The destructive tone doesn't understand. The destructive tone is usually set by people who find themselves in leadership positions and who feel as though everybody should bow down, you know? That's a destructive tone is typically set by those people, people who aren't confident in their ability. Um, They believe their own press clippings, and they're just as bad as anyone else, if not worse. So don't set the destructive tone. Understand this about the destructive tone. It's not actually the tone in which you're talking to people. I know very, very respectful leaders who genuinely worry about their their, uh, people who talk in gruff and rough manners. They do, but they're always there. Then you have some people who are so respectful all of the time and they're screwing their people over. So don't mistake the tone for a bad tone, but destructive tone is different. It's set throughout everything. And the people who do it suck. That's going to do it for today. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe.